You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to the Morning Update Show. I'm your co-host, Trey Holiday, and we want to welcome you to an amazing Monday here. I, I know you guys out there, you're feeling the sun vibes. I know I am. Um, I, I got to check in with my co-host with the most, Big O, see if he's feeling these sun vibes. What's up, Big O? Trey Holiday, happy Monday to you. Happy Monday, my friend. How are you today? You're, you're always the sunshine. <laughs> I'm telling you, I mean, me and some mom were just talking about it. He's like, man, I wish it was sunny like this all the time. I'm like, man, there's nothing like Seattle spring and summer when it finally does spring. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Man, you know, another week here, morning update show. Man, it's a heavy Monday, though, Trey. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we're going to dive into it today. Some awful news coming out of Buffalo, New York, you know, a uh, 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 racially motivated, um, basically murder spree there in Buffalo, 10 people dead uh, at a top supermarket, uh, predominantly black neighborhood, 13 people shot all together, um, 10 people, 10 people murdered. So unfortunately, you know, we'll be touching on that. Then also something that, um, you know, it's, it's become a bigger and bigger story here, man, is this baby the baby formula and you know it's a 43% out of stock and you know there's a whole story behind the story on that that we're going to dig a bit into man it turns out that especially for the WIC program there's one company that manufactures 50% of all the formula and then that company's plan shut down there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on with that so we'll touch into that too I think we got some good news too you, you went you went for a double shot of the marriage of Figaro right Absolutely. I did. Uh, amazing show. So uh, I'll tell you right now, Norman did his thing, my friend, and he did not disappoint and neither did the costumes or the sets. Oh my goodness. They were fantastic. Another longer show, right? You go to these shows and you're like, oh, maybe two hours. This was a little bit over that, but I'm telling you, it was well worth it. Hilarious content. And I was able to follow the whole story, even though they were singing in a completely different language. Oh, they had the subtitles popping. It was an amazing time. <laughs> oh, man, good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, let's get going. Get right into it. That's the thing about this studio setup. I got stuff beeping, <laughs> beeping everywhere. Here we go. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Morning Update show. I want to remind you right now, it's the perfect time for you to tag and share the stream. Go ahead and tag and share the stream with people you feel would appreciate culturally relevant news and information emanating from right here in Emerald City. Want to give a big shout out to our partners over at KBCS 91.3 over at Bellevue College and also the South Seattle Emerald. You can find the Morning Update show anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcast. Thanks so much. Putting SoundCloud in the comments over there, but you can also find us on Google, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcast. All you have to do is search Converge Media Network. Uh, man, a lot of big news going on, but one thing for sure, man, this issue with COVID, you know, we hit the 1 million uh, death mark a few days ago of a million people who are saying have died of COVID. Um, resources here for people in our community, here for us, wa.org culturally curated information and resources for people in our community, especially those who might be vaccine hesitant. And, you know, it's sitting from the sideline watching how COVID's gone ping pong back and forth and everything else. And they're talking about new variants and also what this, um, <clears throat> what it might look like this fall. I can see why people are, are hesitant around the vaccine. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is something that we keep talking about because it's so important uh, to our community and beyond. I mean, this is, you know, a million uh, deaths due to COVID is a huge, you know, number. And, you know, I remember when we had hit 500,000 and it was just like, oh my gosh. And it seemed like really there's no end in sight. I think it's important for people to be informed. That is the biggest thing. So I really appreciate, um, you know, public health for doing this in Department of Health. Um, you know, it, it's important that they said, look, we're going to connect directly to black community. We're going to get black content creators. We're going to do something specific so that there's messaging that's really culturally relevant. And I appreciate this resource, man. Check out here for us, wall.org. If you guys are still trying to find resources, get information, or maybe just learn from someone else's story. Right, right. But before we jump into this bigger news here, we wanted to really get going um, and discuss what happened in Buffalo. That's something right here from Capitol Hill, Seattle blog, our buddy Justin Carter up there. This was over the weekend. Bands off our bodies. Thousands rally for abortion rights on Seattle's Capitol Hill. Uh, this is by Hannah Saunders. It says thousands fill Capitol Hill's calendar in Park Saturday to call for the protection of Roe versus Wade. Thousands marched through the neighborhood calling for protection of women's rights and respond to the leaked Supreme Court decision by speaking out <clears throat> against the erosion of civil rights in our country. So, we have, so I'm going to put the link right there. That's from the Capitol Hill Seattle blog. I was up there. Um, you know, we we got an office right there, right across the street uh, from Cal from Cal Anderson Park. And it was thick. I mean, people people really came out. It was a lot of different people from different, like, you know, different spectrums across who were, were out making their voice heard about this uh, leaked Supreme Court ruling. Unofficial, yeah, is- by the way. Well, yeah, I mean, this is something that I think is going to hit all of us in terms of all Americans, women, men, in between all of the things. I- I- I'm going to say this. This right here is one of those issues that brings people together no matter where you are on the spectrum, because either you're kind of for this move that the Supreme Court may make or you're really against it. It's hard to have a gray area right here. Um, This is something that was hard fought for. And I keep mentioning the fact that it is, you know, everybody's choice. Just the fact that we have the opportunity to choose is what people are really protecting here is that opportunity and freedom to choose. That's a part of our civil rights. And if we go back to before abortions were legal, it wasn't as if they were not happening. And this is something that I want to make very clear every time we talk about this issue issue is they were happening, but they were not safe. They were happening in ways that were, you know, uh, leading to deaths of women. Um, You know, you had women, you know, kind of having anxiety because they were trying to figure out what pathway to take because they were in that situation where they had an unwanted pregnancy and they're trying to figure it out. And there's a wide variety of reasons why a pregnancy could be unwanted or, or not a good time or whatever. So my thing is, is this, when it comes to this issue, you know, I, I, I know there's a lot of different things that kind of come into play sometimes, but this is really about protecting that freedom to choose, though. Right. And well, and we'll see. It's, I think it's even more about a few more other things uh, out there. That's fundamentally what it is. Um, and, you know, well, let me break this down. One. So the Supreme Court ruling, if it becomes official, it looks like it probably will. Right. And so the the issue of abortion would go back to the states. And so individual states, I think in the state of Washington, we could all agree that, like, you know, 
uh, abortion rights as is 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 going to stay and probably will expand. But it also allows other states like our neighboring state, Idaho. Idaho is just like not. Nah. You know what I'm saying? They're just going to basically outlaw for the most part, abortion. There's a lot of other states that are like that. So people, some people might look at this issue and be like, well, hey, Seattle, you know, state of Washington, people have their abortion rights. They're not really going to be infringed upon here. Everything's going to happen. But the thing is, is that this now becomes one of these states' rights issues. And if you old school study the civil rights movement and some of our elders here, we know states' rights. That's a big flag right there because, you know, a long time um uh, the, the equal treatment of black people was left up to states' rights, right? And every state could, you know, they want to they have something segregated. They want, you know what I'm saying? Deny access yeah. to this, deny access to that. And that's why people in Seattle, in the state of Washington, are sitting here making their voice heard, not necessarily because they're worried about what's happening here in the state of Washington, but to, to uplift uh, what's happening in other states across America if this ruling becomes official. Absolutely. And this is exactly why. I mean, we we see it right now. We saw it with COVID. COVID was one of those things where it was like there wasn't a whole bunch of federal mandates. This was state by state. You know, eventually uh, we start to see some things come in. But I think COVID is a great example here where you had some states that were like, man, we're not going to do that. We're not going to be wearing no masks. We're not going to be doing this and that. We're not shutting down this. We're not doing that. And we saw how COVID numbers rose in a lot of those areas how they were um, uh, higher than areas that were doing certain things to really mitigate the harms of COVID. And so I use that as an example because we understand here in this country, there is something around, you know, states having jurisdiction over certain things. But the fact that we do have a federal government that says, no, all of these states have to, you know, comply to this law, have to, you know, make sure that they are a uh, uh, providing opportunities for this piece of freedom to be protected. I, I, you know, I'm telling you, oh, this is going to be a pitfall. We talk about it in terms of homelessness services, uh, flooding, pe you know, people coming to Seattle for them because they're here. I can only imagine what this will do to those states that are still open to abortion. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, definitely you're going to get you're gonna get people coming here to Seattle and also to border states where if this becomes law, um, you're going to get people, you know, going to those states. There's already, they said, in an influx in Los Angeles area, California, or people from from Texas that, that are coming over there. Also, I mean, the thing is with this is when you open the door around this state's rights. I mean, to be honest with you, poor people, black folks, marginalized people have usually always come up on the losing end of states' mm -hmm. rights issues. And so, I mean, I think that the next thing you'll probably see uh, uh, attacked is a gay marriage. Right. And, you know, th that's something where they're going to be like, oh, well, we're, you know, the, the court shouldn't really have something to say about marriage. We're going to leave that. Up. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're going to leave that up to the states, the state of Washington. Of course, you know what I'm saying? I don't think that's something people would have to worry about. But, you know, your marriage would want to be uh, recognized in all 50 states. So, you know, I, I think then this is what I said, that there's a spectrum of people who are out there. There's some people who are strictly this abortion issue of, you know, of a right to choose. And there's other people who are like, well, the where they're seeing is this door opening to yeah. to the erosion of other rights. Right. Erosion of other rights that are out there. And so that's why we want to be able to, uh, you know, to to really look. And that's why people one of the reasons why people are really in the streets, because they see this as a door opening 
uh, to, to larger issues and erosion of rights that people have considered, you know, part and parcel of their citizenship. Yeah. And rightfully so. I mean, this is, you know, I think so many people kind of predicted, you know, different actions like this based on the majority that we're seeing right now in our federal Supreme Court. This is where people were already saying, oh, my goodness, you know, there was so much effort, so much uh, work done to incrementally make sure that it was majority conservative. And so I think there's a lot of people out there that are like, man, we knew it. We knew these kind of things were going to come to pass because there's nothing to really stop them from doing this. And so, you know, it's one of those things uh, where you are so right about that open door and we'll see how other, how many other things get rolled back based on all of the fight that all of the energy and all of the effort that's been put in by so many different Americans, you know, for these rights, we'll see how it plays out. But it is one of those things that I think a lot of people need to be mindful of. We'll see. Yeah. And I have a comment, comment in there. So a few comments around these, these states' rights issues. We remember that they left it up to the states to be separate but equal, right? And, and yeah. we, see, we see that the separate definitely worked out for them, but the equal didn't work out for us. Um, we're going to take a quick break right now. And when we come back, man, we're going to talk about this massacre in Buffalo, New York. I mean, it's just a tragedy. You're watching the Morning Update show. I want to figure out how to be a millionaire black women artist mm -hmm. for me mm -hmm. and also help other black women artists become fucking billionaire or whatever. Yeah. And it's honestly just the principle. <laughs> real talk. It's awesome. no. Principalities right. in this. Real, for real, Not for that real. I'm, I, I, I don't believe that if you're well off that that means somebody else has to be not well off. Mm -hmm. I, 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 and I know that that's kind of how money works but I don't I, I personally believe like there's more than enough for everybody who sure. have that kind of mindset yeah like, I don't have to be a bajillionaire or anything right. but I do deserve to be well off yeah I deserve to be able to provide for my son for sure to live a really happy life yeah. and to pay all the bills and not struggle and to thrive and, and to not thrive. just be surviving yeah Hey guys, Basil Gordon here, and before heading to Belize, Trey Holiday and I had to make sure we linked up with our good friends over at Market Street Shoes to, of course, grab a few things for the trip. From bags to socks, shoes, sunglasses, earrings, and more, before going on any trip, make sure you stop at Market Street Shoes. Trust me, you'll find just what you need to make your trip not only enjoyable, but fashionable. Yeah, the, man, the truth with the truth with proof. You know what I'm saying? That's that's tomorrow night at 830. And then tonight at six o'clock, you saw their Art of the Matter, uh, Kamisha Turner and T-Dub. Yeah, yeah. T-Dub was talking a bit about this on Feel Good Friday and how she's so excited, uh, you know, to be able to sit down with Kamisha. And it's a great thing, too, because she's like, you know, there's not a lot of opportunity to talk to, you know, black women who are older than her doing this work. And so I'm really looking forward to that episode dropping tonight. Yeah, no. And happy birthday, T-Dub, by the way. Yeah, happy belated birthday, T-Dub. I know they kicked it yesterday. I was, man, at the opera. Then I had a thing in Tacoma. I missed it all. We love you, T-Dub. Happy belated birthday. <laughs> all right, good stuff. All right, so, man, a lot of us, you know, it's we 
the news came across it, uh, another mass shooting. Um, this is the, the largest uh, this year in America thus far, Buffalo, New York, um, 10 people dead. Man, I mean, this has just a racist hate crime written all over it. We'll, we'll pop this off right here with a short clip from um, CBS Mornings, and then we'll discuss. The Justice Department is investigating the shooting as a hate crime and a racially motivated event, violent extremism being the cause. We're also learning more about the suspect, Peyton Gendron. Authorities say he threatened a shooting at his high school outside Binghamton, New York, nearly a year ago. Jeff Begays has more now on the ongoing investigation and prosecution. Wearing a paper gown and mask, 18-year-old Peyton Gendron was arraigned over the weekend for the shooting deaths of at least 10 people at a top supermarket in a predominantly black community. We continue to investigate this case as a hate crime, a federal hate crime, and as a crime uh, perpetrated by a racially motiva motivated violent extremist. Gendron has been charged with first-degree murder and is likely to face federal hate crime and domestic terror charges. Investigators say he plotted the attack over several months, allegedly posting a 180-page manifesto online. He described himself as a white supremacist and anti-Semite and referred to the racist idea known as replacement theory, the notion that white Americans are at risk of being replaced by people of color. This is a very urgent threat. In fact, we're seeing the FBI and law enforcement move resources away from, say, ISIS and Al-Qaeda cases onto white supremacy cases. Extremist experts say that he is part of an alarming spike in white supremacist and domestic terrorist activities online. It is a sense of community online that, that eggs them on, that encourages them to do this. And they use what they learn online to go onto the physical world and kill people. New York state officials say that Gendron had threatened a shooting at his high school last year. The individual was brought in for a mental health evaluation. He was evaluated and then he was released. The suspect was never flagged as an extreme risk under the state's red flag law that could have prevented him from purchasing a gun. Under the state's red flag law, certain individuals, whether it be family members or law enforcement, if they believe that someone is a threat to the community, can go to a judge, petition that judge to issue what's called an extreme risk protection order. According to our sources, in this case, that didn't happen. The suspect is being held here. He's on suicide watch. He's being held without bail. His next court appearance is scheduled for Thursday. Tony. Jeff Begay's for us. Jeff, thank you very much. Trey Holiday. Yeah, this is one of those things. Of course, it came across uh, my phone, you know, people, you know, talking about this. Um, this is a tough one. I mean, you're talking about somebody who was so intentional to target black community and black Americans that you have no measures of stopping him that really took shape. It's just one of those things for me where I realized that, you know, no matter uh, what people may say about uh, progress in this country, we still have so much hate. Uh, and we talk about this all the time, you know, uh, anti-blackness and in general, racial hate 
um, is showing up in these ways that are um, so intentional and methodical and planned out. Oh, that it really uh, makes me wonder, you know, what can be done to really mitigate all of this? And how do we um, really stop allowing people like him to fall through the cracks? I mean, if, if you threaten to shoot up your school, you definitely should not be able to buy a firearm. The fact that, you know, he was evaluated and released um, at that time, that it, it makes me really wonder about these systems that we have in place. They, there's too many opportunities for these systems to not work. Now, we can say that they're working the way that they're supposed to, but in this case, it really seems like that was a real slip up there um, to not be able to at least ensure that he's not buying a firearm legally. Doesn't mean he couldn't have uh, obtained one illegally out there on the streets. Who knows? You know, right. As as they were just describing here, you got a lot of people online that are never going to get out there and actually do something right. They're the people that are in traffic using the N word. You know what I'm saying? Underneath their breath when somebody cuts them off in traffic or when they don't want to let somebody in. This is the kind of hate that really is brewing here in this country. And it boils up and shows up like this. Oh. Yeah. So so a, f a few things here. This guy drove three hours, three hours from his home, you know, and you're right. He threatened to shoot up the school. The state police came. He got a mental evaluation. He was released. And that's what the ERPA law is for. We have that here in King County, the extreme risk protection order. We talked to the prosecutor about that as well as domestic violence advocates, where you're supposed to be like, yeah, something is wrong here. You know, um, let, let's put them on this list. But the bigger issue is is that man this uh, continuously people people don't understand right that this hate ain't never gone nowhere it ain't gone nowhere in 400 years it hasn't gone anywhere and we we always want to sweep things under the rug and say it's this and that and yeah we had this black president which really triggered to be honest with you uh, uh which really triggered all these people who've been camped out in their racist views and it's become more covert here and everything else and being pushed by this this theory this white replacement uh theory makes you wonder what the natives was thinking hundreds of years ago like they was being replaced but uh you know the these theories that are out there and all it's doing is it's fueling something that's already there and of course you know what i'm saying well the first thing that, that people really talk about and it's been a few things most people are just disgusted though let me start there white, black, whatever. Most people in America are just disgusted by this. There is an element that's out there, though, that it's like, oh, well, you know, it's mental health. And it's like, man, clearly this wasn't somebody who just snapped. You know what I'm saying? He'd he been out there casing this place. He was actually there the day before. He was there the day before talking to people, casing out the place, everything else, studied it. This was a target for him. But, you know, there's a certain element that especially when it's white people who commit these crimes where the excuses start coming out. You know what I'm saying? It's the excuses. Well, you know, what was the mental health? What was it? Is it man, hate is hate. You know, hate is hate. And when, when we get to the actual root of these issues, then you can expose that. But, um, you know, the, the, the fact that there, there are some, this is a mainstream narrative, by the way. This isn't a closet narrative, this white replacement theory. This is a mainstream narrative that you'll find across lots of news platforms uh, from right here in the U.S. This is what they espouse. 
And, you know, it's, it's emboldened more and more people to, to basically just go out and kill black people. I mean, this is what's the difference. This and Dylan Roof down there in South Carolina who walked into the church and they welcomed him because they were having a prayer session. They welcomed him. Hey, come on in. And he murdered nine people. This is exactly why I think we 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 have enough examples to learn from in terms of what needs to happen to prevent these kinds of crimes. And, you know, there's something to be said about cyber crime units um, across this nation that really need to be diving deep into this because we understand there's a lot of uh, hidden sites. People talk about the black web all the time. Right. There's a lot of this kind of, you know, uh, violence, um, you know, violence against different races, violence against women, violence against trans. We see that, you know, there are people that build these online communities and it brews it. It literally is in a pot stewing up, you know what I mean? And they have all the free range to just, you know, connect with other people across the world in this digisphere, in, in the digital age, you know, that really agree with their values in, in terms of hate. And, you know, I, I appreciate that this actually brought that to bear because we need more of the crimes units that are dealing with cybercrime to attack these guys, you know, right? To attack these 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 uh, communities that are stewing this hate that make it seem like it's okay for you to go out there and do it. You know, just like I'm saying, even if he didn't legally get a gun, somebody in one of those communities could have said, man, hey, I, I got you. Just come here. I got something that's unregistered yeah. or whatever. There's all types of things that happen in these cyber communities, oh, that really... I think spring a lot of this stuff to bear because people feel like, oh man, you know, here they are encouraging me. You know, I feel like I can do this. It emboldens those people to make these kinds of choices. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with you that if this person was intent to do harm, you know what I'm saying? Him legally purchasing or not purchasing a gun. Uh, I mean, what would have found a way to, to do harm. And I think it comes down to the lethality of it. When he was able to get this gun, um, you know, the thing is, Trey, is that, yes, the Internet has uh, accelerated and connected people of like mind and thought out there. But, man, I'm telling you that this issue of hate, the Internet, you know, I, man, I'm, I haven't forgotten. November of last year, my mama was walking across the street to the studio. Dude got out the car, threw a can at her, called her a nigger bitch right there on First Avenue. Tried to hit her with a car, drove off. You know what I'm saying? And so, I mean, and that's just the randomness of my mama crossing the street at the same time that this person rolled up right there. You know, and so, I mean, we, we need to recognize, I think it's a lot of time, and especially how the news cycle moves and everything else, man, that this has never left us. Director Ray, the FBI, remember we played this FBI thing? It was like testified like three years ago. Four years ago, he was like, man, the biggest threat, domestic threat in America is this domestic terrorist around white supremacist groups. That was the director of the FBI who said that years ago, you know, yeah. and you, you've got this community here. Man, these are people who are just going to get their groceries, fam. That's it. People who were working in the store, the youngest 20 years old, the eight, the oldest 82 years old. It's out there, you know, I mean, and when, when we think about this right here and think about our overall safety, that it's OK, like people thinking it's OK to go and hunt 
these people, you know? I mean, in his manifesto, here's the thing is there's nothing even there to like whatever he said. I'm a white supremacist, I'm anti-Semite, wrote nigger on the gun. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was very clear what his intentions were. Yeah, this is exactly why, you know, when when we talk about bringing in things like uh, mental health, I, I think that there's something to be said about the way that this hate is fueled and it, it's not um, necessarily connected to mental health. Yes, maybe there's some things in his upbringing that brought about, you know, his hate for black folks. Maybe there's some other things around his circle of influence um, that did that. You know, clearly they talked about this online community, but but at the end of the day, this is also a real specific methodical planned out you know thing that he did that said I am going to target this black community I'm going to go when I know a lot of people are at the grocery store when you think about casing an environment you're learning the characteristics of that environment to try to strike at a time where it's going to cause the most harm this is what he did Um, and this is you know something that now all of these families and this entire community has to to now take in as an experience that they have now had, you know, and a tragic one indeed. This is something that, you know, for me hearing this news, oh, I just thought, man, you know, uh, as as much as we make certain incremental changes, we still got to deal with the fact that this hate has existed in this country since its inception. So when you talk about it always being here, you're absolutely right, my friend. My thing is, is, you know, what has been done since the inception of this country and particularly when they started to realize that we need to be treating everyone equal. What has really been done to eliminate that kind of hate? That's where I'm at with it. I don't think, obviously, not enough has been done, clearly. Yeah, I mean, one thing for sure, you can't legislate people's hearts, you know? And so, you know, you can pass laws, you can do this and that and everything else, man. You can't legislate people's hearts, you know, and how they feel. And there, there, you know, there is, and I'm telling you that it's like, it's it's a very overt. This isn't like covert. This the the the, the whole theory of of the white replacement theory. I'm touch a bit on that is that you know in a few decades here, people of color, all different colors, will will then outnumber white people. And so you know, white people are like, yo, like, hey, we're we're being replaced. They're they're part of that theory is that um, the Democrats want to let up people through on the southern border to be able to accelerate that process. That's one of the things that goes into that theory that it's like, you know, and this is where we talk about on immigration and everything else. Some some elements around the the, the issue of abortion plays into to the replacement theory. You know, that there needs to be what more white babies being born in the country. And so there's some element that's in there as well. This is a very mainstream theory this out there and it's being pushed and it has its code words, right? A lot of people, they get on, they're not going to say white replacement theory. They're going to say things like, is diversity really good for our country? Tell me, tell yeah. me where, you, you see what I'm saying? Like all the, the code words and the buzzwords is really out there, but it's all around us. I'm telling you, if you look and see, you'll, you'll see in a lot of actions that are happening and in, in, in a, a lot of, a lot of these people are people with different ideology to the far right. You'll see that like, man, 
one thing is they've been methodical in a lot of their actions, right? And in, 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 in taking hold of legislative bodies, um, from municipalities, counties to, to, to uh, state houses. You see what's coming out of the Supreme Court right now. I'm not saying all these things are intertwined together, but man, this is a very mainstream view. Yeah, I really appreciate that you uh, really are harping in on this point. Uh, let's just take it back some. Over a decade ago, I was studying in Europe, studying European culture and identity. One of the things that came out of this entire course was the fact that it was already known in terms of statistics and demographics that European and Eurocentric families globally was on a decline because they weren't having as many children as other ethnic families, right? This is something that they knew way back then. So the ideas of that, them not having as many children, plus more and more mixed race couples then equals more and more ethnic cultures that are mixing, that are kind of changing the game and changing the demographics there. Um, you also have the fact that this, if we're being honest here, historically, we have always known that places like Africa was larger in size than Europe, but they don't want you to see that in the maps that we have seen um, throughout this country and globally. There's been this um, centralization of the white experience, no matter what country, you know, a, a white person comes from, there's been this centralized uh, narrative of their, their being, their presence, their, in, in essence, some would say supremacy. I don't agree to supremacy because nobody is going to be supreme over me unless you're God. But I will say this, that when we talk about this, this theory here, right? There are so many different perspectives and so many different data sets that really are fueling it. At the end of the day, there's also some real truth to the fact that in numbers, things are changing. And as you just said it there, oh, in a couple of decades, it is going, if, if things are progressing and staying the way that they are, the way that we kind of see it when we look at the trajectory, that's a part of it. So, you know, trying to go out and kill people, trying to, you know, stop these abortions, trying to make it so that you could literally, uh, you know, charge people with death penalty sentencing because they utilize emergency contraception um, like Plan B would which I'm hearing also happening um, with regard to this abortion laws. Uh, this is something to me that is like, man, this is this is real. We've known this, but also there has to be a realization that, you know, I say global majority when I'm talking about black people and when I'm talking about non-white folks, because we are the global majority. So I think that there's something to be said here for the realization of the demographics we live in globally, but also here in this country. It's just one of those things that if we're really going to teach truth, that has to be a part of it. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, this is, yeah, the, the numbers, the numbers don't lie. You know what I'm saying? And and the thing is, is the as far as there being more people of color in this country and in the decades to come than white people, I mean, that's going to happen, right? That That is there. Now, how people deal with that, I mean, where we're seeing that. You know, we're, we're seeing this this pushback here right now. And it's like it's. Man, I, I just. 
the fact that like this hate ain't never gone nowhere. And, you know, you wish you could say that, that this was surprising. This is definitely shocking and it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. And like I said, I think that most people in this country would agree that it's horrible. But I think people need to also agree that this this root of hate has gone nowhere. This has always been here. This is the same hate that, that, that bombed and burned down Black Wall Street and Tulsa and so many other instances of everything else. It's just the hate of Black people just for being Black. I mean, we gotta just think for about being that. Black. Just yeah, just for being black. That wasn't even in his neighborhood, close to a city, mm-hmm. close to nothing. Three and a half hour drive over there. And then when I when I talked about how, you know, when these things happen, there's always something of, of excuses, right? You know, one of people come and make excuses. Let me put this up right here. This is from Wendy Rogers. Wendy Rogers is a lawmaker in the state of Arizona. And um, on her Gab Telegram account, she sent out Fed Boy Summer has started in Buffalo, right? What she means there is that, well, this shooter, he was really just a Fed. This is the FBI. This is the FBI who did this, right? And there's a whole thing. This is an elected official in the state of Arizona. It says Fed Boy Summer has started in Buffalo. And so, you know, I mean, they push their narratives. It could be anything, but this is just a hate-filled dude who came there with the intent to kill black people. So now they're like, oh, what's the Fed? Just like on January 6th. Oh, this was an FBI setup out there in Washington, D.C. Oh, this was, it was really Antifa who was inside the Capitol building. You know what I'm saying? There's never just an ownership or responsibility around something. So now they're saying that this was a setup by the FBI. Omari, come on now. I mean, look, you know what? I mean, this is the kind of language that we see when it's a white person committing this kind of crime versus any other ethnic group. Um, And the truth of the matter is, is that you you have to own this. You know what I mean? You got to own this. This is really what it was. This young person, you know, was like, look, hey, I I got thwarted from shooting up my school. But let me be honest here. Really, I just want to shoot black people. And he found a way to do that. And if we don't recognize that and acknowledge this truth, we're just going to bury ourselves in more lies. And at the end of the day, we see where these lies of history has gotten us today. There has been so much untruth that's been reported on, that's been put in history books, that's been lectured on, all of that, okay? And at the end of the day, a lot of people now are waking up to the real truths. They're waking up to these hidden truths. And this is something that we cannot deny here. I think it's just time for people to just be realistic, man. Let's not throw all these conspiracies into the mix. Let's just see it for what it was. You know what I mean? And, and, and clearly there is this driving factor of hate that allowed this to take shape and to take form. And I'll say this, I think that this young person, you know, who did this, this, this guy, it, it seems as though he felt that he had a 
people that would support what he's doing. And it didn't matter to him at all what these black families were dealing with. He just wanted to try to make a statement. He's made a, a huge statement, but also I, I really want this experience as tragic as it is to kind of shake some people up. Because when you talk about, you know, most, you know, Americans just probably think this is just disgusting. It's an act and they just can't deal with it. I, on the other hand, believe that there are a lot of people in this country that are applauding this person. And that is the truth. I think that we saw this when we think about January 6th insurrection, when we think about the fact that People are, you know, doing exactly what you said. What happened to your mom right here in Pioneer Square? We deal with this and this anti-blackness as black people all the time, driving down the block and hearing somebody throw N-word at you or, you know, putting up uh, one time somebody um, spit watermelon seeds at my car and was trying to, you know, be uh, funny about it and put up watermelon and was like, yeah, yeah, you guys like what? At the end of the day. What I'm saying is you almost can ask any black person in this country if they've dealt with some form of a racist act, some form of anti-blackness. And they will tell you, yeah, this or that happened to me or this or that happened to my mom or this or that happened to my dad. You would not get, probably get anybody who's like, I have no idea what you're talking about at the end of the day. So this is something for me where I'm like, there's probably also a lot of people out here in this country that call themselves Americans that are actually applauding this oh right and just looking in the comments here jp jp said what's up jp always chiming in uh jp said this isn't political in the manifesto he said he hates the right dude's an extremist he needs to be punished let me put this up right here i would say i would say this is that like yeah what, what we see even in american politics is something that's gone beyond the mainstay of oh, sorry about that the mainstay of whether you You'd say Democrat or Republican. You look at the Republican Party, there's like this Republican Party, and then there's a far extreme. Look at look at this lawmaker there. There's a GOP lawmaker who's there in Arizona. Uh, I think the bigger this bigger issue here is this issue of hate and this this issue of far extremists is out there. And unfortunately, I have to agree with you, Trey, that there are a good number of people who applaud this act or, or at least they're, they're like, yeah, you know, I mean, and that's like, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy yeah. out there. And, you know, for we, we, we deal with so many issues around, around murder, death, um, driven by lots of different motivations across our community. And, you know, we deal with it in community and out of community. And it's just, man, it's a lot. I've been following this, um, you know, trying to trying to understand more about, you know, that that impact there on that community. And we'll you know, we'll see. We'll we'll definitely stay on top of this um, moving forward. But very tragic story coming out of Buffalo. Well, I got to also send a shout out to all of the families. I mean, every time we do it here locally, but this is, you know, all the way on the other coast, on the East Coast. But we got to send love to those families. We can only imagine what you're dealing with. Um, and we want to, you know, send love from Converge Media to all of y'all, um, no matter what. If they're watching or not, we got to make sure that we always, you know, make sure that that's that's there. Because any black family that's dealing with it, it always feels like it's something that my family could 
could be dealing with. That could have been right here in the Pacific Northwest, targeting black community members, targeting black events. Um, so I just, you know, we understand that this is something that, you know, no matter where it's happening, it's not right. It's un it, it's it's so hard and tragic for all of us to to witness and to deal with. So I want to send love to those families. All right. We're going to take a quick break right now when we come back. So um, baby formula out of stock, 43 percent across the country. And man, there's a, a there's a few reasons why, but there's one big reason why you're watching the morning update show. The breathtaking new musical, Afterwards, is the story of the art we make from the love that shapes us. When three women discover unexpected truths, a dazzling mosaic of intersecting lives reveals itself. Featuring a revelatory and soulful new score. Don't miss the world premiere of this captivating new musical, Afterwards, at the Fifth Avenue Theater, April 29th to May 21st. Tickets at fifthavenue.org. I want to figure out how to be a millionaire black women artist mm -hmm. for me mm -hmm. and also help other black women artists become fucking billionaire or whatever. Yeah. And it's honestly just the principle. <laughs> real talk. It's all principalities right. in this. Real, for real, Not for that real. I'm, I, I, I don't believe that if you're well off that that means somebody else has to be not well off. Mm -hmm. I, 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 and I know that that's kind of how money works but i don't i i personally believe like there's more than enough for everybody if sure. you have that kind of mindset yeah like, i don't have to be a bajillionaire or anything right. but i do deserve to be well off yeah i deserve to be able to provide for my son for sure to live a really happy life yeah. and to pay all the bills and not struggle and to thrive and, and to not thrive. just be surviving yeah Truth for proof, the truth for proof. Truth for proof, yeah, so catchy, so catchy. I love it. Oh man, <laughs> God! All right, so this uh, baby formula—it's been—it's been some years for me. It's it been some years for you too, huh? <laughs> Absolutely, it has. And my kids were both breastfed, so you know, Hello. I didn't deal with it too much. Uh, yeah, my mine's were mine's were, but clearly not by me. But my, <laughs> mine's were too. My mama said, "You know, I'm hardly ever sick. Like ever. Like if you look at my whole history, my whole life, I'm hardly ever sick." And my mama. I can't say it on air, but basically, yeah, I would I would breastfed to hear my mama tell it tell it for a long time. Unfortunately, there's millions of mothers across America who aren't in a position to breastfeed or, you know, need a special supplement in breast milk and, and, and milk and everything else. And America's facing a shortage right here. I got a short clip that I want to play and then we're going to discuss this further. You all keep hearing these stories. We all do about moms and dads finding empty shelves when they go looking for new supplies of formula for their little babies. This is a national shortage and it, we're sorry to say, is getting worse. Formula is now 43% out of stock nationwide. That's up from 31% last month. New mom, Jaylene Oriana, is so desperate for baby formula, she's willing to drive 14 hours to pick up formula she had her aunt buy in Mexico. I'd rather be safe, like have cans stocked up than sorry 
to my daughter that not knowing when she's going to eat. This week, the 19 year old from Houston drove three hours to get formula from a dad who didn't need it in Austin. They connected on a social media site like this one where parents post if they need formula or have extra. Are you worried that you're not going to be able to find formula for your baby one of these days? I am. I'm willing to drive whatever I have to drive. As the shortage grows, families are scrambling, but pediatricians like Dr. Joshua Wexler are warning parents not to water down formula or try homemade recipes. You can't ensure the micronutrient calorie density is all correct, um, that you're using the appropriate water source potentially. Um, there might be a lot of issues. Those who find formula face a tough choice, like Michigan mom, Destiny Featherstone, whose youngest is four months old. Yesterday, there was like just enough for her month's supply and I wanted to get it all but I was like I don't want to take from the other babies. Virginia mom Erica Lopez says she never knows if she'll find formula on the shelves. When my daughter doesn't drink the whole bottle I'm like oh my god she just wasted like two three ounces I'm like that was like a scoop that we could have saved. Back in Texas Oriana says she buys extra formula when she sees it but not for the reason you might think. She says she's sending the extra cans to other families to help them. I bought it um, to help. I mean, I know how it feels. It's hard. All right. So Trey Holiday. So here's the thing. It's like, yeah, the, this, the, the baby formula is a big problem. It's been going on for over a year. A lot of it was initially supply chain, right? But the, the thing is, is there's only four companies in America. Like, it's, like, it's like four companies that, that, that make baby formula on a major scale. And, you know, this is a highly regulated industry. And basically, back in February, there's this company, Abbott, right? Abbott makes Similac. And the way that it works is like there's the WIC program, right? Women, Infant, and Children. And with WIC, each state has to contract with one of the, the baby formula manufacturers. Abbott is the sole manufacturer for 34 states, over 50% of the 1.2 million children that, that uh, basically received WIC is by one manufacturer, which is Abbott. Well, back in February, Abbott had to close they, their facilities, their plant, because there was some contamination there. And they're saying that contamination might have caused the death of two babies. So they closed their plant, right? And when, when they closed their plant, what happened is, is that because WIC, because Similac wasn't available in over 34 states, seven tribes, four territories, by the way, um, that they were able, people were, were able to use their waiver to now buy other brands. But in a lot of those states, because there was this big monopoly in place, Abbott already had the majority of the shelf. So there wasn't already a space for other brands. So then you had all these people who moved off of WIC and uh, bought these other brands that were out there and altogether this overall shortage. But on top of that though, this Abbott plant, man, the FDA has known that it's had problems for a long time. Even back in like September of last year, there was complaints that were going on there. And so the, they're saying that they're going to have their plant back online in like two weeks, maybe. 
but it's going to be months before the whole supply chain on everything pushes out. And the thing is, it's a two sided thing here, right? One, because the states have to have this uh, this sole supplier agreement for WIC, they're able to basically um, go for the lowest bid, which keeps uh, the, the prices down, technically saving taxpayers money. But what the, the baby formula companies do is they just raise their prices on the people who are not on WIC. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a bit more to this issue that's going on. And some of these states that you see in these reportings, like San Antonio, I was just in San Antonio. I mean, that's a big family town, lots of kids there. Texas, they're a state that has this agreement directly with Abbott. And so a lot of the states, 34 states that have an agreement directly with Abbott have been the hardest hit as far as trying to be able to find baby formula. I mean, well, whoa, first of all, whoa. And shout out to all of the families that are dealing with this, you know, because this is, you're talking about your baby. And if you are not able to breastfeed for a multitude of reasons out there and and in formula is the only way that your baby is going to get these much needed nutrients, then I just sympathize with you. I empathize with you. I want you to know my heart is with you because that is tough. You're talking about your child and an infant at that. So that's that's like a whole nother layer to this. But for me. This is why I talk about there's like something really broken here with the way that we do business. The fact that WIC can only do business with one manufacturer and they are the manufacturer uh, for 34 different states that have this kind of, um, you know, contract with WIC. That is huge. WIC is one of those things. You just said 1.2 million families on WIC uh, nationally. It is something that has been a real resource for people that are having children, young folks. It provides a lot of nutrients and nutritious options for children from infancy all the way up to five years old. So you have um, families who utilize these WIC checks at the grocery store to get, you know, produce, uh, to get baby formula, to get real milk, to get certain things, cereal. There are certain things that they get, but it provides a basis of nutrients to be sure that that child is growing up healthy. So when something was going on with this Abbott plant and it was known back in September of last year, something definitely should have been done to, you know, really remedy this kind of outfall. Right. And so September is when all these these complaints started, you know, come coming in. So they were aware of it in February the the plan was shut down. So so when when President Biden is sitting there saying like, oh, we're aware of the problem, we're moving as quickly as possible and this and that. This was in February when that plant was shut down and the obvious ramifications would be out there. And because of trade agreements, it was the last trade agreement, I believe, that from the last administration, you know, because a lot of these people, they create the same formula in Canada and create the same formula in Mexico but because of trade agreements um, and, and policies. It isn't like we can uh, just easily import from across the border. And so it's a lot of people who are in a tough situation. I mean, the, the, these parents that are out there and when you saw that that clip that we played there, someone driving 14 hours to go and uh, to get baby formula. But also what we've seen in crisis here is it's also brought out the best in people. 
you know, it's the worst in some, but a lot of people, the best in, in especially mothers trying to find ways to share formula with other mothers in need and trying to get things out there. Uh, but this isn't a problem that's just going to go away overnight. This is a big issue. It really is. And once again, you have individual Americans stepping up to the plate um, to fill in these gaps that are created by a lot of these regulations that we see, you know, when you talk about WIC only being able to contract with one manufacturer. Now you have regular moms, regular families, regular folks that are like, well, I got to do my part. Let me step up to the plate. Let me be the one that can, you know, provide some of these extra cans that I'm around that I get the privilege of having to make sure that other families are okay. This is why I, this is one of those things about our resilience as a whole, as a people. You know, there are a lot of folks out here, as we just talked about one story, you know, in the break break before. Now we're talking about people coming together. This is something that I cherish about, you know, our human existence and our connection to one another. There is always people that are willing to really step up and do something different. We see this in a bunch of different mutual aid efforts that happen. We see this in the way that people step up, you know, to help out, to provide certain things, whether it's sandwiches to the homeless, whether it's, you know, now uh, formula to uh, other families, the, the fact that there's something special about our care for one another, our compassion. I love when that shows out and I love when it pours out like this. It's unfortunate that it has to in this way, particularly with something that is an essential need for young infants. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I just wanted to be able to give our viewing audience some context of like what's going on and, and be able to see like, you know, a layer deeper, because now, like I said, the government's out there. They're like, man, this is our biggest domestic issue here is to be able to solve this issue around baby formula. But like, let's be clear when when this Abbott plant was shut down in February, they knew that it was going to be a problem and it should have been addressed back in February to try to figure out solutions here. And also, you know, I mean, it's like regulation, smart regulation is a good thing, but like clearly like not smart regulation is, is not. And, and that's why, that's why I'm saying this is what explains. So people can see there's a few things is one Abbott stopped producing Similac and people, uh, a lot of people on WIC, where, you know, the, they changed the Department of Agriculture, changed the basic rule. And so in a lot of states, you were able to now buy a different brand. So then all those brands were also bought as well. So it's always something more to the story of what's going on. And like I said, Abbott is saying that they look to have the plant back online in a few weeks. Um, but it's going to be a while before things hit the shelf. Looks like we're one minute overtime, Trey. I think we got uh, a few things to touch on here before we get out of here for today. Uh, first up right here, let's see. Shayna Shepard. Shayna Shepard is going to be here tomorrow. Artist and music community. It's always special when Shayna's in the studio. Absolutely. I can't wait. All right. And then let me see here. I'm playing around these overlays. Salman's like, man. I got this. Here we go. Uh, this is what you saw the other day. We've got two more days here. The Marriage of Figaro. Um, that's at the Seattle Opera. And you're a big fan. I heard yeah, you know. yeah. Now I'm a big fan for sure. Amazing show. Go check it out, y'all. Right. Um, and of course, tonight, six o'clock 
is Art of the Matter with Kamisha Turner. So you want to make sure that you tune in for that. And then the last thing that we got tomorrow, this is VESA, the the Real Seattle Media Mixer. You can find more information about this on our Instagram page. Just scroll down there. Also, you can check out VESA's Instagram page. It's sponsored this month by us by Converge Media. The, the real Seattle media mixer is pretty dope, man. Brings a lot of different people in the media space. People talking on screen like us and people behind the scenes and social media influencers and just media professionals all in one thing. I've talked a lot. Here you go, Trey. Any last words before we get out of here? Always see yourself as a part of the solution. Clearly, the mothers dealing with this, uh, you know, shortage in formula. They're stepping up to the plate. People will find a way to see themselves as a part of the solution. Be inspired. You can do it, too. All right. Good stuff. Again, tonight, six o'clock art of the matter with. The very talented and capable T-Dub. It's going to be a dope show. Man, it's good to see you, Trey. Hopefully I'll be back in the studio tomorrow, man. It's been on the road, moving and grooving. You know how we do. Yeah, Um, (laughs) Always. On that note, I want to remind everybody, go forward in your purpose. Go forward in your humanity. And until tomorrow at 11 a.m., peace. Peace. What do I see through a lens of fear? A thousand little steps to go. What do I fear after all these years? Lord knows I don't even know. I've been running on the edge of a sundown, sleeping in the shadow.
produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media. <laughs>